Welcome everyone back to another episode of Why Me Now. Today I have uh, guest Chandra Wrangler. Uh, her and I go back to high school. Uh, we both graduated around 2004. We'll get into it. But what we're going to discuss today is a topic that has a lot of stigmatism around it. Um, it has a lot of stigmatism especially in the African-American culture and communities. And that is mental health issues. A lot of us, you know, are dealing with these things and are not talking about it. It's widely a stigmatism just in general, but within the African-American community, it's even more so, you know, uh, just talked about at all. And so what Chandra and I are gonna do here today is have an open discussion about our own with mental health issues and how we're dealing with it and why it happened and uh, what we're doing now to be able to uh, work through it, go through it and heal from it. Um, and so hopefully you enjoy this this episode. I think you're gonna get a lot of people uh, information and I hope you come back with some feedback that you know relates to this and how it resonated with you. So let's get started. Um, and right now, I, I just wanna introduce Chandra. Chandra, give us a little bit of information about yourself and um, why you're interested in doing this today with me. Well, I am Chandra. I'm 36. Like Michelle said, we went to high school together. We were pretty much inseparable. Um, and I have recently uh, been doing quite a bit of work on myself as far as like personal growth, healing from trauma, uh, things of that sort. And I'm interested in doing it and getting it out there, especially in the African American community, because it's so hush hush. It's so, you know, ignored and swept under the rug. And so many of us face the exact same situations and we can heal together when we put our information out there, put ourselves out there and become vulnerable as a community. Uh, we would get a lot more accomplished. And I think we could have a lot more healing within our community. And, you know, it's so incredible that you say that because that's literally what happened to us. We were just out of the blue. I haven't talked to you, what, in 10 years and out of the blue. I would go into your live video because you're doing your, your jewelry now. You're selling your jewelry now. And, I, you know, then you reached out to me about, you know, me with free gift. And it was just that time because I was at a birthday party out of town. And then, like I was telling you before we got on this call, it was like, I've been thinking about you all week. And I'm like, I need to follow up with her. I need to follow up with her. And so when I followed up with you today, I was just kind of like, there's some reason, like, this, this message is calling, is telling me to reach out to you so mm -hmm. adamantly. So I, when I reached out to you, I was eager to talk to you. Like, I was kind of being, like, impulsive, but there was just some pull toward having to reach out to you today. And I'm happy I did so, because what we found out about each other is that we deal with some of the same uh, mental crises that a lot of people that we, I know personally that are dealing with this too. But it's, like you said, it's really important that we share this information, share our story, because there's somebody... who's alone who doesn't think that there are other people the same way that they are and exactly to talk about it so that we could then talk about how we can what worked for me what worked for you because i'm i'm over here healing chandra's over there mm -hmm. what how can we come together to heal together right right so i just want to know a little bit more about you know 
uh, what you're going through, what you're dealing with, and, um, and then I can get into what I'm going through, what I'm dealing with, how to relate to just you know, open dialogue, open conversation. It's like it's important that we we talk about these things. And I honestly, I just miss you because, like I was telling you before, like we got on this podcast, I was like, I remember thinking about you all the time. Every time I talk to someone about you know pooping or shitting or like, <laughs> yep. and I was just like. I'm gonna, I'm gonna reach out to her right now, and I did. And so I'm just happy I did because it's just a rush of good memories when it comes to you. Right, I feel the same way, <clears throat> and it's so crazy. Like, like you said, that you did reach out because it's absolutely perfect timing. Uh, like you said, we're both going through and healing from a lot of the same issues as well as different issues. But I know that we could be a great support system for each other as well as other people to know. You know, you're not alone. You're not the only one dealing like with the trauma or facing this. You're not the only one, you know, doing it. We're all here together, even though we don't speak about it. A lot of us are probably going from and healing from the same things. And it is very important. And again, it's nothing but good memories with you as well. So I feel very comfortable, you know, sharing my story with you as well as others. And I'm excited because... I was, I'll just go into my uh, the things that I'm dealing with. So my initial podcast, the first podcast, I talked about how I had to make some difficult decisions on um, bringing a life into this world or not. And I just, you know, the decision that I made ultimately led me into having um, some reproductive issues which now is turned out to be more hormonal issues. So when I, in 2015, I had a surgery unexpectedly after I moved here to Chicago. It was um, a tumor, a benign tumor on my left ovary, which caused my fallopian tube on the right side to twist and it cut off the blood and air circulation. Um, which causes incredible pain, which made me have to go to the hospital immediately. Um, and when I went to the hospital, they immediately did surgery on me to remove what they said was a disintegrated fallopian. It literally just disintegrated in their hands. It, it, the blood flow had been cut off so long that it just died. Um, they removed the tumor, they removed the ovary and the fallopian tube. So I lost my first time, my reproductive system on the right side in 2015 in an instant. I unfortunately had the exact same surgery in 2020 on the left side. For my surgeon, she saved the ovary so that I wouldn't go into early menopause. And if I wanted to have children by IVF or, or surrogate, I could still have that option. So she did me a, a good service. But when that happened, my hormones changed dramatically. Um, mm-hmm. and I ended up having panic attacks. I ended up having sleepless nights. I still to this day, I cannot sleep. I cannot fall asleep on my own. I cannot stay asleep on my own. And I cannot, and I'm pretty much exhausted every day um and and to sub 
and to like to alleviate that or to like I guess what they use prescriptions for as a band-aid to ba- put a band-aid on it I yep. <laughs> for so I got diagnosed and had these panic attacks I had these outbreaks that I never had before I had the surgery it's like I never had any type of you know mental issues that I could think of off the top of my head before that surgery in 2015. I ended up in 2016 being diagnosed with bipolarism. By 2017, I had ADHD um, because the medication that they were giving me uh, at first was to help me with my bipolarism, which did recognize right away after doing some type of questionnaire that I had bipolarism. And then they gave me medication for that, which is an Abilify and Elamictogene or something like that. And then I was also experiencing extreme anxiety, like my body was like, and I honestly think it was because the hormones were so off, like they were just so incredibly off and my body just didn't know how to regulate. And so I ended up taking Clonopin, which you, I know you take too, because you listed all yours. So I take five. That I mm-hmm. take are lamictogen, Ambilify, and a colonopin. So, 2017, I get diagnosed with ADHD, but it was it was brought on because I told my psychiatrist like, hey, like you're giving me all these downers to help me go to sleep or whatever, but like I can't wake up now. <laughs> I can't. <wake> up. <laughs> these feels a little too good. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up getting on um, Adderall. So I'm on an Adderall 30 milligram extended release every morning when I wake up around seven or six or seven. And then halfway through the day, I take a 10 milligram uh, instant release. Um, so I just function. So in order for me to function every single day, people think that I'm over here just, you know, using magic. No. I'm using prescription drugs out of this healthcare system that has fucked up. Yep. Yes, ma'am. And so that's my story as far as it affects me every single day. Yes, it does. I still have a therapist. I still see my psychiatrist every once every three months uh, because the Adderall is a con- controlled substance. So you have to um, right check in with your doctors every single time. Like, go and get it. So I just have been over here not telling people stuff about this. I have literally never told a soul about my diagnosis to anyone unless you're super duper close and I can go to you and cry on your shoulder. There was mm-hmm. nobody else to know because a lot of times people use that stuff against you. Yes. And that's, I think, a lot of the reasons that we as women, um, as well as African-American women, don't open up don't say anything you know we are constantly just like I'm fine everything's fine I'm okay it's all good you know when deep down it's not and and we really need to lean on each other uh, especially when it comes to mental health yes and to furthermore the fact that a lot of people that would use it against you and is it a fear or is it would people really use it against you? Because that's the, we have to, that's part of the mental health stigma, right? Right. Or the the uh, cycle that we're in, it's like, okay, am I fearing that people are going to use this against me? Or do I have like concrete evidence? Because at the end of the day, every time I've shared something, it, somebody resonated with it or it hit, 
hit them in the heart or it it was like oh my god I thought I was the only one that was going through this and I was mm-hmm. like I'm getting a different response now that I'm not fearing the the effects of me sharing my story you know and I agree with you on that I think it's a combination of both you know we do have to be careful who we share to you know because I think some people are out there they're just evil they're just cruel they're just trying to you know bring you down or use things in you know against you or throw it in your face to make you feel you know less than uh human or less than them but I agree with you as far as when you do share uh and you share to the right people uh it's it's very beneficial for both parties you know and I've learned that talking uh, especially for me and my specific disorders is actually the number one proven therapy uh, to help like so I have a disorder that uh, is not curable uh, I have medication that I will be on for the rest of my life um, but talking is the number one therapy that has proven to help um, as far as managing the condition and what condition is it that you're referring to Okay, so I have been diagnosed with several mental disorders. The main one of concern uh, is multiple personality disorder, which is now referred to as disassociative identity disorder. Uh, I have seven distinct personalities um, that will surface and come out um, at any given moment. Uh, it has caused a lot of hindrance in my personal life, my you know career life, uh, sometimes even my being a mother. Um, but learning the triggers, uh, because you will only alter or switch to another personality when you are triggered. So the main importance is to talk about it and realize what your triggers are, so that way you can best manage them. Uh, I was. Most people with this disorder are diagnosed with it between the ages of five and nine. Um, And five years old is when I quote unquote split. Um, And then the trauma just kept going from there. The uh, number one cause of disassociative identity disorder is sexual childhood abuse as well as physical childhood abuse. And I have experienced both of those. Um, The thing about this disorder is you have a gap in your memory. So when you switch from, for example, if I switch from Chandra to Annie, who is my five-year-old alter, she's very much childlike. She loves to color. She loves to play. uh, She talks in a very childlike voice. Um, It's very, it's just very, it's very difficult. It's very hard. Um, but you will only switch when you are triggered, whether it's positive or negative. So, question. Uh, that's just one of them. <laughs> so, but it is like I said, it's talking is the best way to manage it, um, and you do have to l- like really identify those triggers so that you can, you know, prevent yourself from switching. You know, especially in public, it's embarrassing, it's awful, but at the same time, it's literally out of your control. There's nothing you can do to prevent a switch. So I got some questions. So you said that you have Annie, who's, you said five years old? Yes, ma'am. And um, how many personalities do you have total? So I have seven uh, total personalities. Uh, We have not gotten to uh, all of them. We have just started therapy 
to blend all of them into one, which is the self. So Chandra is the host. She is the dominant. Uh, Annie is my exile. She is my child. Uh, I have another one, Constance, who is 14. Uh, She's very violent. She's very aggressive. She's um, very physically abusive, Um, almost like a thug in a way. Like she's not coming out to talk. She wants to come out and fight. Uh, Then I have Lucy, who is a 17 year old, but she is a, what we call a watcher. uh, And she doesn't talk much. She shows uh, things in your mind. So it's like a hallucination, not necessarily where you actually see people or whatever in front of you, but it's more so like a movie trailer in your mind. Uh, And then we have Maria who is 25. Um, I have not personally met her yet other people have i have not uh and then we have dean but we do not have an age on dean just yet and then we have another one who refuses to give a name and age but we are working on that as well wow yeah it's pretty um it's pretty heavy to digest honestly um And once I started realizing, okay, that's what's wrong. Cause you know, I would have gaps in memory. Like I would be, for example, I would be Constance for four days. And this is the first time I've shared this with anyone. Uh, She's a cutter. Uh, So she would cut drastically. And then when I would come back to myself as Chandra, I would be like, oh my God, what happened? How did this happen? You know, what's going on? I didn't, I don't remember doing this. And that's because it wasn't me. It was Constance who was the cutter so each one of them have a distinct personality they have their own likes and dislikes they have a certain way that they talk dress um all that good jazz so like each one is very very different um but my biggest problem i guess is like i said the gaps in the memory because once you switch to an altar you usually are that altar for anywhere from hours to weeks to months to years and for anyone who's hearing this story about an African-American black woman who has dissociative disorder, if you want to know more about that, there's a TV show called United States of Terror that gives you an exact replica of what she's talking about. Not exactly the same because it's a different person. It's just a TV show. Her life is real. The show is not, but the disorder is is a thing it's and it's not it's not something you're born with like you guys said it's something that is developed right sexual trauma and i know you dealt with a lot of that and i know that's probably a really hard topic that you probably talk to your therapist about a lot but you know i can't personally sit here and say i've ever been raped by anyone so i cannot relate to that at all but i cannot even imagine either how much pain and torture and trauma i can only imagine what i would feel like Right. You know, and it's, it's rough. I'm not going to lie. It's not, it's not easy. It's ugly. It's messy. It's nasty. Um, the battle that you fight on a daily basis, especially when you're healing is sometimes is unbearable, but once you acknowledge and accept the trauma, which again, that's not going to be easy. You can heal yourself. Once you realize it's not your fault, you had no part, you know, you were a child, you know, then it'll help you at least in my perspective to heal a little bit better because you learn to place blame where it belongs instead of always feeling like it was your fault. You know, like I said, I was molested by my own father. Uh, I was impregnated by my own father. Uh, I was molested by my uncle. I was drugged. I was given 
uh, alcohol at five years old. Um, I was, God only knows what else they slipped into my drink to make me unconscious. I mean, there were so, there's so many different things that I now know and remember from my childhood. And like I told you earlier, you know, one things I thought were once normal were not normal. Like everybody's father did not rape them. That's not normal. You know, I, and I didn't know that until I began serious therapy. So it's pretty heavy, you know, it's not easy, but you can't overcome it. You will overcome it. And especially us as a community, like I said, when we lean on each other for that support, because it is so hush hush in our community, you know, with, with African-American or black people, we are taught to just keep our mouths shut. And so many of us really do suffer from the same thing. And you know, what's so interesting to say that, and I think that a lot of times black African, um, black American, African-American, black African-American women are the ones that are hushed the most out of every person on every category of people on this planet. African-American, black women are hushed the most. We are expected to handle the most too. Mm -hmm. We're expected to, if we have kids, be a single parent mother. If your husband or baby daddy ever made it to be a husband or even made it to the house, if they didn't end up in jail, um, you were to tend to be a single parent home. Um, and from there, you had to be the mom father. You had yep. to also work, be the friend. You also had to be the uh, protector. You had to play a lot of roles. So black women just all, always just had to roll up their sleeves and just get her done. And it's one thing that, you know, shocks me the most about you is that I didn't know any of this growing up when I was friends with you. You know, and that's, and you know, I have learned that that's quite different because, um, again, all of those post personalities would surface at any random time. And what I have learned through therapy is that, you know, at five years old, that's what, that's the first time I split, you know, and then at 14, um, there was another reason I was raped at 14 for the first, well, uh, by a stranger we'll put it that way at 14 you know so that was another split and then at 17 uh, a traumatic situation I was very close to my grandmother and she died I also had broke up with my first boyfriend you know who I was in love with and lost my virginity to and thought the world was over Um, so that was another traumatic event that caused a split so it's very weird because I guess I just did a, a really good job of hiding it or knowing that I had to be us act a certain way or like you said as Af- because we have to be so careful because then we're looked at as the bitter black woman or yes. a b-i-t-c-h if you will you know what i mean so it's it's a, a lot of it i just kept hush hush because i knew better i guess i feel like um you know, talking about your, your different personalities and all the, the horrible, horrific things that happened to you, which I agree were not obviously your fault. And I'm so happy that you have the support team now around you to be able to lean into, because I know that a lot of times you're going to need this help forever. Uh, I'm happy you found somebody that you can trust to, to lean into so that if you ever need somebody to, to, to ask, you have somebody at your fingertips. A lot of people yeah. don't um, but a lot of people don't even know that they're even been traumatized, right? So, right, right. Because 
Like there's, there, like you said, like you didn't know that people didn't get raped by their fathers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Common by itself. Oh, yeah. that's not normal. No, right? And now that I left St. Louis and actually have the time to do the work, you know, and and put the effort in, I'm like, wow, that was normal, you know? And then I'm looking like, okay, but it was normal. That was my normal. That was my entire life. I have been raped a minimum of five times, at least that we can remember right now. You know, I've had miscarriages due to being raped at five years old. I had cancer, you know, that I had to fight through twice. Uh, I lost, I don't know how many babies, um, was only able to have the one, which I do thank God that I do have my one, but how many had I lost due to what my father and uncles were doing to me at such a young age, you know, and then along with all the other things, you know, being beat unconscious by my father with belts, um, just a whole bunch of trauma that I didn't know was really trauma. I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I'm over here. Like, damn, I didn't have my father in my whole life, the whole time. Still don't to this day. And I'm thinking, damn, damn. my mom knew something that I didn't fucking know because And you know what's so crazy? I don't want to put other people's business out there because I do know somebody else that was raped by their father that's close mm-hmm. to me. I'm not going to put their business out there. I'll let them listen to this episode. And if they want to, you know, get on the show and talk about it themselves, I'll let them do that. But I always thought that my mom was to keep my dad away from me. I think she was protecting me. Like I was just saying, African-American right. women protectors I think she was protecting me because I think my father I think she said that my father did touch my sister the other one I'm just like god damn it Mm -hmm. you know and and, and in my uh, remembrance of my trauma my sister and I actually got into a huge argument about it because for a while uh, I would you know call her and we would talk about things until one day I, I brought up the sexual abuse and we had a huge blow up and she refuses to believe uh, the things that I went through, she says that they were made up memories, you know, and that's fine. If that's how you choose to deal with it. I understand that because everyone is different, but, um, he, he did the same to both of us. It wasn't just me. Now, granted, I did get the blunt of the trauma, the abuse, the sexual abuse, the physical abuse, the verbal abuse, you know, I did get the blunt of that, but it wasn't just me, you know? And so, yeah, maybe your mother was protecting you, um, in a way that that she knew that you know she can keep you safe at least she knew that men were just really messed up because i think she went through the same thing i don't know if it was mm-hmm. her father you know somebody in the family i mean it, it i i honestly like think that it is more common than we think i don't think it's normal i don't think it's right i don't think it's right i think that we have a lot of trauma on on different levels of each like so black men have their own trauma right and Mm -hmm. we have black women that have their trauma and how it inter like intercorrelates with each other it the dynamic is very complex because it it stems from what i always talk about the willie lynch letter you know how they instilled in us for over the last 300 years that if we if we keep the families separated keep the families destructed um, and keep them all like in the dysfunction of not being in a togetherness and a union of some strong knit family tie, then we can keep them, you know, uh, 
in a place of destruction, like where we're not stable, where we're not like we have no structure, we have no consistency, and th- people get away with doing things that they shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no proper protocols on how to treat people because it's almost like they were uh, making animals, like they, they over time. Because if you look at history, if you look at most black people's families, the male right. is jail or he's out here you know molesting his own family members like i feel like i've had like people attempt to do it but i was like "Mm, i'm aware and i know this ain't right i don't know what you're trying to do but i know that something ain't right my intuition is speaking to me and so like remove myself from the situation i remember like having this conversation with you remember several times where i felt like somebody was trying to like get at me like all the incorrect way in the family but i was like no right but my point here is that it is unfortunately more common than we it sh- should be and I'm happy we're having this conversation so people can start calling these fuckers out because the person that you know the person that's close to me that had it happen to them he didn't get put in jail for doing it he got put in jail for doing drugs but he did die in jail when mm-hmm. I about it 12 years later because she didn't tell us 12 years later I was like he is better dead now than if I had found out about it beforehand we would have both be in the ground right you're right and the fact you are where, right where was your mother actually when all this was going on you know so that's another thing that we're working through that we just discovered in the past three weeks that my mother um she 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 would make excuses for him. For example, uh, I told her apparently when I was a little girl, Annie said that she told, and my mother just kind of blew it off. Um, a lot along with when I first started cutting, she yelled at me, put me down, belittled me um, instead of trying to help. And maybe in her mind she was. I don't I don't know because again back then, you know it wasn't a thing that we talked about. Cutting wasn't a thing. You know, but there were several instances uh, that my alters have surfaced and gave specific details on that we told her um, several occasions with the dad, with my uncle, um, with uh, other women that actually played a part in this as well. And she just basically turned the other way. Okay. And my father is a very manipulative person, very abusive. Um, he's very narcissistic. So it's almost like, uh, you know, I don't know what he did to her exactly to make her turn that way. Um, but at, at, we have discovered um, through my therapist, as a matter of fact, that she played a part in my trauma as well. Not necessarily the not necessarily like the sexual aspect of it, but the physical, the verbal, the emotional. So, and she would just make excuses for him. And in fact, there was one uh, situation that questioned uh, me, that I questioned her till still to this day. Um, my daughter was she, not even one. She was like nine or 10 months old. Uh, and my uncle, the one who molested me, he had just got out of prison. He was in there for 15 years for trying to set his girlfriend on fire. Um, and my father was like, he had a welcome home party for him. He was like, well, you're going to take your uncle Terry home. And I'm like, well, no, I don't, you know, I did, I don't want to, but I didn't know why I didn't want to. I just didn't want to. And I will never forget that we were sitting at a stoplight. My daughter was in the back seat 
natural bridge and good fellow and he put his hand on my thigh upper thigh closer to you know the no 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 place okay you know and he looked at me and said in reference to my daughter's father he says well does he eat that twat like i used to do and it threw me so off guard because i was like like you used to like i don't that doesn't make like why would you say that and so when i dropped him off i immediately called my mother it was like well uncle terry just said this to me and her words were well we used to call it a twat back in the day so (gasps) that's what he meant but i was like why would he say like i used to like that i'm not tripping off the word twat you know what i mean we call it a lot of people call it a lot of different things your no-no area the v spot what you know it's a different everybody got different names for it so i wasn't tripping off what he called it i was tripping off why why would you say like i used to if you had never done that to me and then comes to find out through therapy annie uh, as well as Constance, my 14-year-old author, uh, confirmed uh, that he did, in fact, put his mouth on my vagina and, d- and do things. He put his hands there. He put his, you know, grown man penis there. He did a lot of things, but she just covered it up like it was no big deal. Because it probably made her feel guilt yes yes and you know and still to this day uh even when i have therapy sessions she's like oh well how was therapy and now that i'm learning she played a bigger part in the trauma you know i just keep it to a minimum because like i said i don't know what she had went through in her life that i don't even know about or the way my dad probably has manipulated her but there was definitely something that you were aware of and even my alters have surfaced to confirm specific situations you know and every time i give her a situation she comes back with an ex- a different excuse you know like i like i mentioned before in the show uh i was a cutter you know i cut for i still have been a cutter still to this day and i'm 36 years old uh and there was a time where we came to her um my father had took a plate off of her wall cracked it and then sliced my arm so bad that i needed stitches um and when we got to the hospital she told them i tried to cut myself wow mm-hmm. and i and then i even described the plate to her and she's like you couldn't have had it couldn't have been that plate because i'm looking at the plate but the funny part about that situation was uh all of my aunts and my grandma had the same exact plate collection it was a plate collection from germany and so when my grandma passed away she got her plates so the plate that he used was in my mother's collection and then she just replaced it with the one from my grandmother's collection basically acting like it never happened so it's pretty pretty some heavy stuff you know it's hurtful it's painful uh it's no walk in the park i can i can definitely tell you that but so many of us are not alone and i think that's the one thing that we really need to learn as a community and as women that we're not alone you know you're not the only one going through that it's just because people don't tell tell it out loud they don't talk about it they're not open with it but uh you can listen to this podcast and you can know that you know michelle's gone through some things i've gone through some things but you can't come out on top you know you can you really really can like, you're doing your own live shows you're like literally not working for corporate america you're over here running your own business on top yes. of this mm-hmm. yes let's, ma'am let it let me repeat that and reflect on that that's all you just said you do not work for corporate america no ma'am your own 
business. Yes, ma'am. And if that is not enough motivation for the rest of the world, I don't know what is. <laughs> Y'all can do this. Right. We all can do this. We can do this together. And mm-hmm. I'm so that you um, agreed to come on the show with me and share your story. Hopefully I can have you back on more um, episodes. I know there's so much to talk about because I, I really want to talk about the fact that your parents probably have trauma. Mm-hmm. Never. And I can relate to this 100% that the old folks, the old generation, they will never ever do this they will never talk about their mental stress. they will never talk about their trauma they will continue to put their trauma onto their kids and are yep. and we are here to stop that because I'm sick of it has been told you know her trauma is putting on me all the time I'm like no you can't do this I will not talk to you I'm over here trying to help myself and you're over here trying to make me go a step backwards because you have trauma that you haven't dealt before exactly you're- that and projected onto me and I'm just like I can't deal with it and so I had to put in boundaries to people that you know you tend to think you can't put up boundaries with no mom you're behind the line that's right stay behind that line that's exactly right and setting boundaries is one of the healthiest things we can do for ourselves it is the most crucial thing that I learned in my early in my 30s, to be quite honest, because I didn't learn it before. Boundaries? No. I didn't have boundaries. For, I didn't respect other people's boundaries, and I didn't have any boundaries that people could respect. But that's all changed. Mm-hmm. It has my life. Like, relationships, love relationships, family relationships, friendship relationships. If I say no, then the name remains. You can try to manipulate your way through hoops and bounds, flyers and hoops. And- right. Oh. All you want to. No. Right. No. <laughs> And I've, you know, and I've done the same thing ever since I've started uh, realizing the specific details of my childhood trauma in reference to my father. I've had to set boundaries with him. I don't speak with him. Uh, I don't, I do not talk to him uh, in any, I don't have any contact with him right now at all whatsoever. And it's, I think it's getting there with my mother. So you, I mean, you have to do what's best for you. It's not always going to be easy. You're going to think you know, dang, I really shouldn't do this to this person or I really care about this person or whatever, whatever the situation is, but you are going to have to do it. It's not going to be easy, but it will benefit you in the long run. And you have to look out for you because if you don't look out for you, who going to do it? You have to look out for you and advocate for you. It's hard, like I said, you know, but as a community, we have to find the right people we can lean on to because it's not, it is, it's, it's going to be very challenging. But you have to do it. You have to do it for you. And I was just about to agree with you and say that I always preach to put your yourself first. I always preach that if you can't, if you if your cup is empty, this is my tarot reference. If your your cup is empty, you cannot fill anyone else's cup. Right. If you are emotionally drained, how can you fill up somebody else's emotions? And sure if, can't physically are exhausted how can you go help them move no you have to know when enough is enough for you you have to move your body you have to listen to your heart your mind because if you can't show up at least for yourself you cannot show up for anyone else yeah you think that you can you're delusional and you're mm-hmm. just exhausted you're gonna literally kill yourself trying to help yes others. yes you and- will 
talk about mental health is so incredibly important to recognize you said when it's time to put in boundaries because what your father did is unacceptable and almost unforgivable but mm-hmm. the forgivable part is because it's for you it's for you to be able to like go through the grieving process like the five stages of grieving the fifth stage is acceptance which you've been talking about and mm-hmm. you've accepted that it happened to you you have accepted that it was not your fault you've accepted that this person is not a good person in my life and you're going to accept that putting up a boundary is going to be the best thing for me moving forward for my family for my kids for my husband etc mm-hmm. my feeling for my well-being for all of it because at the end of the day when he was supposed to be my father when he was supposed to be my protector when he was supposed to show up and stand up for me when he was supposed to be there and like be the person that I could run to when I needed help he wasn't there he was a criminal in the action mm-hmm. it was not right it's not fair but at the end of the day I am Sandra and that's what I'll always be and and that's the story that I'm getting here and and I appreciate that because it's hard to tell these stories it's really hard I never thought I would be getting on this podcast sharing anything about my personal life ever right you know and I have to agree with you on that like I I have never told my story except to a therapist <laughs> you know what I mean like I have never really shared the the gory graphic details of the abuse that I went through even well into my late twenties, early thirties from my father, he was still uh, putting me down and abusing me. Uh, You know, the sexual abuse obviously had stopped, but the abuse still continued to go on until I decided, you know what? No, enough is enough, you know, but I I do thank you for this opportunity for letting me, uh, you know, come on your podcast and share the story. Uh, And like I said, I think both of our stories will help a lot of people. And, you know, and just like, like you said, by just simply talking, you know, that's, that's definitely going to help a lot of people to know that they're not alone. And if we can do it, so can they. Agreed. Well, thank you so much. You've been a blessing and um, a beautiful soul, a loving light. And I hope that moving forward, that you and your husband, um, prosper, grow, and have the most fulfilling future in life that you could possibly even have ever imagined because you Well, thank you. I appreciate it so much. Thank you for allowing me to be on here and share my story. And hopefully we can do quite a few more in the future. Um, but I do truly appreciate you. I always have, always will. Um, and I love you, girl. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I love you too. And thank you for listening to Why Me Now podcast. We talked about mental health issues, for dissociative and my bipolarism. And we know that other people out there are dealing with mental health crisis. So tell us what you think um, in the comments below. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope to uh, hear from you soon. Bye.